0: Russia is burning through all his, its friends and all its relationships that it has spent decades to foster in Western countries and in Eastern Europe. Um, I think now it's pretty obvious, it's becoming more and more obvious every day who are the people who are uh, Russian infiltrators all al- around, who are the influencers and uh, journalists or public figures who uh, were shilling for the Kremlin all along, because uh, let's be Fair in the past, they were very good at dissimulating this. Um, and also, like, um, you know, I, I think of this example from Portugal, like the Communist Party there uh, doing this very despicable thing of sending, uh, of trying to get passport information and personal information from Ukrainian refugees and sending it to Moscow. Absolutely disgusting. But it is like, you know, they're just burning through all their resources and also in this influence uh, information spectrum. And, uh, I mean, these are things that took decades to build and put together. And uh, like a pipeline without any gas, it will take more decades to build again. So, you know, it's um, encouraging to see that in their rage and in their stupidity, they're just uh, throwing uh, all their friends overboard, basically. And uh, it's also super obvious that there is no loyalty among these thieves. I mean, uh, uh, they they just let them hang them out to dry when they are ex- seem to be exposed. Thanks.
1: Yeah, I mean, they clearly just want to commit genocide. That seems to be the goal here. There's, uh, you know, they're, they're burning every other bridge, uh, be they financial or political or uh, even military. At this point, we actually have a Slava Ukraini joining us. Uh, Slava, do you have anything you wanted to add to the conversation here, or do you maybe have an update
2: for us? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, I would like to add that Slava Ukraini, Hero Slava, and uh, as I was listening ear- earlier, uh, and I heard your call. Thank you. So uh, from yesterday news, I would like you, uh, I would, I would like to confirm uh, that it is true. And it's absolutely fantastic. And I had to took some time to verify it by myself. Uh, borscht is Ukrainian. And absolutely true, because I taste it and again, tasted it again. It is fantastic. And this uh, recept is only going to be working for Ukrainians. So absolutely tasty. Ukrainian borscht only in Ukraine, or maybe in other countries, but made by Ukrainians. Thank you, peace for Ukraine. Also, it's like a small joke about Ukrainian borscht. About the uh, Belarus, uh, just in the morning, uh, read this news, and I would like you to say that Ukrainian intelligence, in this series, uh, that it is not Ukrainian. Uh, it is most likely... Russian doing this bad stuff that they did always to uh, blame on someone else. Like it was uh, just by the books, they know how to do it. Or a second, uh, um, maybe a va- a variant is that it is a bad uh, missiles that do not uh, do not uh, land it right in the Ukraine, do not, um, let's say,
1: like a
2: misfired missile. Yes, yes. Did not reach uh, reach uh, Ukraine, and it fell uh, uh, around. It. I saw pictures. I retweeted, retweeted the pictures that it looks like this uh, poor village uh, that hit by this uh, missile. So it's not Ukrainians. Ukrainians will not hit. Uh, it's a lot. A lot has uh, annotated that Ukrainians do not hit. Uh, um, Civilians, only military stuff. And about the Kherson, also heard it. um, uh, Read read, um, in this morning uh, that uh, advances have have made around the Kherson, and it's made every day. But as you said correctly, Kherson, the Khersonskaya oblast, are not small, and it's gonna take some time. But our Ukrainian soldiers making great progress, so and also partisans making m- uh, good help uh, to the Ukrainians. They revolting to this because uh, also to this news that Russians accelerated to push Russian passport. They trying to um, this, this, make this faster. They pushing this Russian passport without any cue, just giving away... Anyone who can. So this is my update. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Slava. So uh, real quick, some housekeeping, guys. If uh, everyone could please retweet the space and like all the retweets. It's that uh, little uh, next to the leave button in the top uh, right. There's a little like you with an arrow on it. If you guys could uh, press that button, retweet the space. uh, It helps spread the word about the Walter Report. Uh, yeah, let your friends know. Uh, we like to get the word out to as many people as possible. We're providing 24 7 coverage of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, second, uh, Walter Report is uh, brought to you by Maria Aid. Uh, every donation to Maria Aid uh, will go toward uh, providing right now uh, 1,000 tourniquets uh, to Ukrainian soldiers and civilians uh, who need them. And uh, we really want to get this goal finished. We're about 80% done uh, with uh, raising for 1,000 tourniquets. So if you guys could uh, give any spare change you can uh, to Maria Aid right now, uh, we'd really appreciate it. So we can uh, complete that goal and get those tourniquets uh, out to Ukraine. Uh, And finally, uh, if you guys have any questions, uh, specifically right now for Slava Ukraini and his update or just any general questions, he lives in western Ukraine. So uh, he's always a great resource for uh, information. So if anyone has any questions for him, uh, please feel free to come up and raise your hand. Or if you have any questions uh, about the Russian invasion, also do so. So thanks, guys. And with that, we'll go to Bloke. Uh, Bloke, go ahead. Um, yeah,
3: thank you, Slava, for, um, for, for the update. Um, y- you know, I think the liberation of Kherson uh, would be very strategic, uh, very decisive, and it would be a great thing. So I'm happy to to hear things are going well. Um, despite all my anxiety about uh, about everything else so thanks for confirming that about the borscht um, congratulations uh, I will say that my grandmother um, who is Polish will be very disappointed um, please don't take Verenikas, but uh, congratulations on, on the
2: borscht uh, thank you, thank you, Bloc. Uh yes, borscht is great and other food Ukrainian food are also great and so thank you you should all, all taste it because uh, uh, it's. I think uh, it's served uh, every, around the world. So Ukrainians uh, chef uh, prepare it everywhere. So if you have a chance, don't miss it. It's great. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah,
1: and you know, like we joke about it a little bit, but it's true that you know a lot of things that are Ukrainian were um, are claimed are claimed by Russians, right? Um, everything from folk songs to food to authors to singers, to, uh poets and you know uh right right down the line uh Ukrainian uh culture is has been appropriated by the Russians and claimed as their own. So it's an important process that we need to have and uh, official recognition by the UN is always appreciated that these things are Ukrainian. These are Ukrainian songs, these are Ukrainian foods uh and uh you know they aren't Russian. Uh, they they belong to Ukraine. So yeah, borscht is Ukraine and Kherson is Ukraine, right? I'll leave it there. Thanks. anyone wants to come up and ask some questions uh otherwise uh if anyone has any news updates on the panel appreciate uh a little little news maybe some some good news if anyone's got it Axel, you got anything for us i saw you come up a minute ago axel's busy man there's talking about all these missiles guys there's there's a lot of there's a lot of missile talk going on i'll tell you that everyone's everyone's curious about it um But, uh, yeah, so I guess back to our, uh, earlier conversation about, uh, Russia ruining all their, all their friendships, right? Um, so we've had some major unrest in uh, Uzbekistan, uh, probably not going to be very significant for the short term. Uh, Russia doesn't have, like, a military presence there. They're not really in a position to, like, send in their military. But, uh, you know, in the medium to long term, that's, uh, maybe more Russian influence eroding. Uh. But yeah, it looks like a kind of a situation going on in Uzbekistan. Uh, the the Russian near abroad, as it's sometimes called, there is a Russian population there in Tashkent. Uh, yeah, but right now the big the big story the big story is uh, major attacks in Russia uh, proper. There were some there was some attacks in Melitopol. Um, these are definitely Ukrainian strikes. Uh, they were very surgical. They took out ammunition uh, depots and uh, uh, like a power station and some other targets. Uh, Portland really outlined in detail. If you guys want to go back uh, later and listen to the recording, uh, he outlined in detail what was taken out. But uh, there were also two strikes in Russia. Uh, there's a lot of controversy. You know, what 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 was the munition used in the strike? Were they? Was it Ukrainians who did the strike, or was it like a sort of a Russian false flag? Um, and it's hard to say. Like a lot, a lot of stuff happened. There's a lot of footage. Um, people are combing through it. Like I said, everyone's talking about it right now. Um, on the back, uh, we're trying to verify as many facts as we can. But uh, yeah, it's uh, a yeah, big, big news. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Any? Uh, oh, we got one request. Let me see who's coming up here. Axel's coming back. I said, I said missiles. That might have been the magic word. Axel, welcome back. Hello there. How you doing, Axel? How's uh, is your pool? Did you clean out your pool?
4: (laughs) Well, uh, not alone, (laughs) but yes. Oh God, you don't you don't want to know, but um...
1: fair enough. Uh, So, so do you guys? I've seen some discussion going on um have you guys reached any further you got any updates for us on on the let's say specifically the strikes in russia i think everyone agrees the strikes in pool were ukraine it was great they took out a bunch of ammunition um so we're, when we're talking about the russian airstrike specifically or sorry the the, the strikes specifically uh do we have any updates on that or uh, still kind of
4: yeah i think it's still,
1: still, kinda, we're still in limbo
4: we're still in
5: limbo
4: okay uh
1: you got any other uh broad updates uh Broadly speaking, you can say no. Any any other news this morning or this well, afternoon
4: for you? Did Imperius come up because he was supposed to give a little roundup in the meantime while someone was doing other stuff?
1: He came up for a while. I don't
4: know where he is now, but uh,
1: yeah, we've been having a, a pretty good little discussion. It's kind of kind of petered out a little bit. I've been waiting for some people to have questions for Slava, but things are going all right, Axel. So you can you can go back to your pool if needed. No, I can't. Can
4: talk it's, about missiles, it's, it's it's a plunge pool where you missile in after you step out of the sauna, and that has to be there because otherwise people can't cool off. It's the cooling off period, quite literally.
1: I see, I see. Okay, it's like a yeah, like a little little cooling off pool. That's it's cute. It's a cute little pool, like a like grotto. All right, I'm gonna stop talking about your pool. Uh, so we we were talking to Axel about. Uh, the, the creation of uh, uh, or the recognition of borscht as a Ukrainian food, right, and just the broader uh, recognition of Ukrainian culture as its own separate uh, uh, thing and how Russians have appropriated Ukrainian culture, uh, you know, things like music, uh, art, and uh, literature, Uh, that that are Ukrainian as Russian. So, I don't know. Is Anything else you want to tell our audience is actually Ukrainian that the
4: Russians pretend is there? The funny part is that uh, a lot of the... uh, Don't forget that the Russian Empire always likes to um, imprint itself on other cultures. And uh, to a large extent, they have managed to do so. Ukraine is one of the few exemptions, and the Komi, as well as maybe the Those Sami who lived in Karelia have been pretty resistant and resilient in fending that off. You could say that to an extent also the Kalmyk and the likes, but uh, they are very small in number. And they were subjugated at a much earlier time when nobody else ever looked. Ukraine had always the benefit of having more food uh, to sustain a greater population, and survive. This makes it unique. The Komi, the Kalmuk, the Sami lived in significantly more precarious environments in terms of general food. So there's more of the hunter-gatherer than the farming aspect coming into play. In that regard, Ukraine, with its unique and distinct culture, has managed to survive the onslaught of the uh, Duchy of Moscovy and its henchmen for hundreds and hundreds of years. And that has made its culture both elastic, flexible, and resilient to these shocks, which is astonishing. If you think about the impact on a population, such as what the Holodomor did in terms of uh, starving out, and still, the culture still would not die. The emigres, these large uh, emigres, and what is today the expatriate communities in North America, specifically in Canada, and to an extent the northern parts of North America are testament not only to the horrors of the Second World War, of course they are to a large extent, and the uh, continued occupation and subjugation by the Soviet Empire as an expression of the Russian Empire's continuation of its horrors and terror, but the Holodomor itself immediately led to many, many people fleeing this area because there was no hope left. And still, people Managed to remain and survive. And cultures, distinct cultures, such as the con- connection in, which you have in Lviv, this um, extraordinary tolerance, having this deep-rooted um, yeah, surroundings of, of Ukrainian culture, then the mixture with Polish Polish nobility, Germans on site, a large Jewish community. But the same obviously goes also for Dnipro. We have so many distinct regional cultures in Ukraine, which managed to survive that and express themselves in uh, their own music, in their own capacity to tell their tales of hundreds of years and write them down finally, despite the fact that they were suppressed. Then we have Peter, the so-called great, Peter, this great terrorist, um, as well as Catherine, the even greater terrorist, uh subjugated ukraine with a view to eradicating its cultural heritage already preventing people from being taught in ukrainian preventing elementary schools to be formed when this became uh, common in many parts of western europe and this went way across to eastern europe but they prevented books from being printed in ukrainian this is an ongoing effect on culture and still ukrainian culture has survived that is a testament to its resilience.
1: That's right. Thank you, Axel. And uh for, for that history. And uh, it's true. You know, czars have been trying to ban Ukrainian uh, for hundreds of years. Uh, there's been all sorts of attempts to suppress We Ukrainian. have a hot mic somewhere. Hot mic, who we got? Uh blog.
4: Vlog you have an odd mic.
1: Okay, I muted him. So we got uh, Oops, that was up. me?
4: Okay, sorry <laughs> that about you. that. What, what were you no were worries. you slamming some cupboards?
3: Uh, I'm cleaning up downstairs apologies guys see i'm i'm giving a tour d'horizon of the
4: ukrainian culture and its resilience and you're cleaning your cupboards right <laughs> but I, i'm glad that we can provide for background um should we say radio in this regard
1: please Joseph. clean clean your cupboards folks uh
4: so we'll go do a hands
1: now uh, v go ahead and, and stay tuned
6: i don't know where to start after all of that so <laughs> um is yeah uh Slava Ukraini, firstly. Um, I actually have a couple of questions Slava. 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 Slava.
2: Slava.
6: Slava. Slava. Um Slava
2: Naty.
6: Smertvaram. Let's go. No. <laughs> I <Ukraina. laughs> mean um, So Slava. I my family has lost all of my Baba's recipes for Borsk and Vareniki. And all of the other amazing things. And my brother and I have tried and failed multiple times to recreate these amazing <laughs> delicacies that I have not had like the way that Bubba made them in like 20 years. So, where can I get a recipe that's not going to take me 14 hours to cook? Because I will not do that. <laughs>
2: uh, thank you for the great question. So uh, good that you understand that recipe for the Bosch it's process. But uh, in today uh, times it's not so hard to find. So you can find uh, in a uh, regular regular village where, where the people live in Ukraine, or you can find in, it in online or watching uh, some YouTube, uh, a lot of the Ukrainian chefs uh, showing this, uh, how to prepare borscht uh, live. So it's not a problem. And uh, what amazing about the borscht and other uh, foods that Ukrainians make, uh, it's always um, basic uh, ingredients, but it's free to uh, interpret in your way you can add something else. You can make something new for yourself. So you can try it. But the recipe is around the world. You can see online. Um, it's not some uh, hidden treasure. So you should uh, make a big trip to find it. Uh, it's I cannot provide you somewhere to find But it's easy. Just Google it. Uh, YouTube, you find... Uh, because it's not single recipe who all Ukrainians make. Every uh, reci- recipe uh, is unique, so you should understand that uh, everyone makes in his way, but basic ingredients are the same. So I see. I think uh, it was helpful. Hope, I hope that it was helpful. Thank you. So
1: yeah, absolutely. One thing I've noticed with Russian cuisine uh and you know I'm sorry uh, I don't know more about Ukrainian cuisine is uh sunflower oil right is used in a lot of stuff so uh is su- sunflower oil is I assume the the same basic oil that's used in Ukrainian cuisine and I would just uh suggest like don't don't skip on that uh, it's an important like component to the flavor but maybe Slava you had any thoughts on that Uh
2: interesting not using uh, sunflower oil for to the borscht, but I use um... Uh, how to say uh, pork uh, slices? Uh, uh, pork slices exactly. Squarky, squarky, they Fried uh, pork and it's great uh, because they uh, floating uh, around uh, on the top and it tastes amazing. So uh, each everyone is free to. You do not uh, how to say. Uh, you not um, make bad borscht. Just make your own interpretation. It will work for you. Just a few tries, and you'll be happy. Thank you, and you will enjoy.
6: Thanks, Lava. Um, I've actually I've got like kind of a cute little story, if it's okay to share. Um, so we've had not not a huge amount of um, Ukrainian displaced people coming to Australia, but our little city community has, um, you know, set up quite a lot of, you know, get togethers and rallies and things like that. And, um, at one of the, um, at the get togethers that we had at the local church, um, I had set up in advance with a lady that, um, that I know through the community who has, Four ladies staying with her, and they ran a kitchen in Kyiv before um, coming to Australia, and so they've started cooking at home and you know selling it to you know Australians who who want to want to try Ukrainian food, and so I'd set up to buy like a substantial amount because it was coming up to Orthodox Easter, um, and so I went to pick it up, and I don't speak a lot of Ukrainian, I can speak very basic. Um, So I can communicate to the extent that I need to in most circumstances, but not well. (laughs) So it's lucky that, you know, I have (laughs) enough people looking after me in the Ukrainian community that just giggle and it's all good. Um, But I met the lady that um, had actually cooked the food and we couldn't communicate with words at all. But, you know, she was introduced to me as the person that actually cooked all of this amazing food. And we sort of looked at each other and there's these times where you can communicate exactly what's in your heart without saying a word. And we just, like, had a big cuddle and we were both crying and we hadn't spoken a word. So it was (laughs) in the middle of, you know, (laughs) there was about a 1,000 people there um, and we're just standing in the middle of these 1,000 people just hugging and sort of crying (laughs) And it was kind of beautiful and I think that stuck with me forever. So um, I wrote them like a lovely thank you and bought them some sunflower seeds to plant so that they can bring a little bit of sunshine to Australia. So I hear that they're going well and we're planning to have a meet-up soon, but that's something that I think I will treasure forever. Uh,
2: Thank you for this story. Uh, Absolutely great story and uh, I will try to explain why uh, the. Why uh, for Ukrainians food is very important. So in Orange Revolution it's like uh, showing the way, uh, uh, showing the love and uh, con- making a connection uh, through through the food. So uh, during Orange Revolution I was on the Maidan uh, in Kyiv, and uh, it, it is a way to show support uh, that a lot of the regular people all the young uh, prepared the home food and to support uh, um, people uh, on the street who uh, in this time uh, protesting against um, some uh, bad stuff but they come and a lot of the young can uh, uh, prepare the food to feed the regular um, citizens it was on the streets so it was free. Anyone who wanted to uh, just to keep keep uh, himself uh, like um, to keep to stay on the street, not to uh, go to home to protest. And another story from the 22 years of uh, this war. Um, great uh, journalist creepin uh, shared his story on his YouTube channel uh, that when this war started, that. It is usual for them that they, while they streaming, they um, uh, reporting about the, about this war to Ukrainians because as Ukrainians I started to watch uh, his stories, and he also shared that he b- before he started to stream, he prepared a lot of the borscht, and normal food to the support um, com- community uh, his uh, that surround him. So it is usual for Ukrainians to make connection and share and support uh people through the food so it's a great story and it's true uh wherever you are ukrainians are showing this love to others so thank you remind
1: i'm reminded uh there's a story from uh, ryan o'leary who is uh currently fighting in uh, a foreign legion uh in ukraine uh he said that he was <laughs> uh, in his early days he was fighting and uh he was in a trench, and there was like artillery going off. Like he's like, it's it was a combat zone, and he turned around, and there was a woman there, and she was handing him dumplings and going, "Here, here you go." Uh, so, uh, uh, food, food, very important to Ukrainian culture, uh, right, Slava?
2: Uh, yes, I heard it. Uh, Pelmenyo, uh, he is giving him pelmeni, these dumplings, right? And um, I, I saw these hands. I have another story. I will keep uh, for a few minutes. So. Thank you. You said you
1: had another story?
2: Yes, but I, uh, I saw hands, so I can wait.
1: Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, we'll go to uh, MP. Go ahead, MP. <laughs> I
5: uh, just want to comment one thing to, of course, to Axel, you know. Remember, the Finns a little bit tried with these Karelian tribes, you know, since uh, 1918. And, you know, how things ended up in 1944. So, you know, we had a little bit of a, a, a a trial to catch, you know, Finland combined with similar speaking tribes, and you know, I estimated the size of Finland to about 25 million if we could have been successful. But that was just my comment to Axel regarding Gomi, etc. So, I have another question actually for the panel, and I do have an answer as well. So, speaking a lot about Russian SU 300 and anti aircraft systems, so what is your opinion? Uh, I do have a fax, by the way. Uh, don't don't Google it because it won't help you. How effective is, again, wider aircraft which fights against uh, that SU-300 battery? What's your understanding about range? And then we can go to nations. Anybody else? Uh,
1: so Axel probably has a better command of this than me, but uh, I'll, I'll take a shot at it. So as, as far as I understand, it's the S-300. Uh, so uh, S-300... Uh, it's really going to depend. So so the issue with an anti-aircraft system is that the missile and the launch system itself isn't going to be the full picture of what it can do. The most important aspect of it is going to be the sensors, uh, the radar, right? So if you have a good radar that gives you early warning and good detection, then um, an S-300 system can be pretty effective. And we know this because Ukraine has used it successfully to stop, like, 10 missiles being launched at once right um but if you don't have a good early warning system if you're not hooked into radar well um then you don't have enough uh time to react and you don't have enough ability and uh that causes you to uh not be able to uh you know shoot them shoot the uh uh target down in time your, your system isn't as effective. Uh, as far as, like, the technical specifications, I think Axel might be able to speak to that a little bit more. But um, uh, does that maybe answer your question, uh, MP?
5: Yeah, you get kind of right. You know, of course, if you have, like, the Caliper missile coming, you know, it's uh, easy to track, blah, blah, blah. You know, the S-300 can, can hit it, you know, up to 300 kilometers. But if you have a fighter five aircraft, you know, heavily... You know, fighting, sifting altitudes. You know, moving left, right. The effective range for S300 is only 30 kilometers. It does elevation
1: so, uh, play into it?
5: Yes, everything. You know, it uses electronic warfare. It uses flares. It uses everything what it has. You know, moves left, right. It's only 30 kilometers effective. After that, but this is only for one platform. Remember this?
2: Yeah.
4: What, what, Joseph? What our friend is referring to is that their sag is not as effective as the one
5: we have in our Patriot battery. I see. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And of course, the problem for the fighter aircraft is you have multiple S-300 batteries, you know, coming left, right, down, you know, farther from but It's it's not that effective system, you know, if you have a, a fighter aircraft which fights against. Now, so, you know, now, hang
1: on, guys. I'm yeah. smart, but for our listening audience, what, do you, what are you saying the implications of this are? If, if you could just, like, add it up for me. Uh, uh, I mean, for our listening audience. Uh, go ahead.
5: Yeah, so basically, you know, the Ukraine will get the fourth generation fighters. Uh, let's say for f- F-16s, and they would have a wing of those. Wing would mean f- four of those. And, and you would have a multiple S300 batteries. They would fight against, like you know, while while are pretty much, you know, effective. And they would have under radar. Uh, they could actually start engaging much further than the S300 batteries could start engaging them. And and like I said, you know, maximum range for S300 is about 30 kilometers only. And you know, they would need to have the active trailer positions. They couldn't move themselves the fighter aircrafts could actually move. So this just tells a little bit about, you know, if you have a, let's say, young Ukrainians who are now being trained for F-16s and they are probably ready in two years, and then your mission is to take out these S-300, S-400 batteries, totally do it. That's my point.
1: I see. So Axel, would you say that he's beaten the S-300s? Has he figured? Has he cracked the code? Has he, has, does he have a strategy to, to outrange and, and thereby defeat the S-300? The
4: problem is I have my hands full. I can't even reach the mute button and the unmute button here quickly. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit concerned that three dogs will make it difficult for me to talk in a few minutes. Um, what is certainly true is that um, very skilled pilots on an F-16, but also on a Super Hornet would... Uh, in a position to uh, maneuver against an S-300 whereas an S-400 is a little bit more upgraded and has a significantly better sensor system so the S-400 will bring you down to the hard deck as opposed to the S-300 and uh, yeah well we're not we're not there yet there's no uh, F-16s in the theater all right. Well, we hear
1: the angry dogs getting closer, so we'll we'll leave you to it. Uh, you, we'll we'll leave you alone for a few minutes, uh, but we appreciate it. So it sounds like uh, you, MD, you have uh, in fact defeated the S three hundred system. So yeah, know, we're going to give it, you a few it, pilots. We're going to start training them, and uh, you know we want them in ship shape, uh, ready to take out an S three hundred pretty yeah. soon. I, right?
5: I, I, I remember you know if you are sorting down the passage, it comes you know with the same same altitude comes, you know, from the sun, stays at the same level, you can shoot it down with S three hundred, you know, up to three hundred kilometers. But when you go against a fighter aircraft, you know, minimum fourth generation, which fights against you, then the 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 probability what they can hit is thirty.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm actually pretty interested in this topic as uh, as uh, silly as I'm being about it and uh, uh, actually
5: but... actually this is this is uh... I just said, I'm in the Finnish military reserves nowadays. and Blah blah blah. I just check this with my guys. So, so this is this is how it is. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think uh, you you bring up some good points, and I, like I wish we had more experts on the panel to kind of speak to them because uh, I'm not an expert. Uh, and Axel's being attacked by dogs. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think you you, you you you've convinced me. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Uh, so
7: so uh, thank you, uh, MD. And now we'll go to about Nick. About Nick. About Nick, go ahead. Hi, I'm trying to make sense of. These reports of attacks overnight in Belgorod, um, Melitopol, and Kursk. Um, You and me both, Nick. Well, so uh, here's here's where I am. Um, People are posting pictures that claim to be a Russian anti missile missile, anti air missile that claims to be in a building in Belgorod. And I think the first thing we all need to acknowledge whenever we see a photo proving something is that, you know, photos are photos. Uh, yeah, and and even geolocated photos are are just photos. Um, uh, they're claiming that this is evidence that you know Russia is firing at its own cities, but it I don't know it doesn't seem unreasonable to me that a, a Russian anti aircraft missile might miss and fall to the ground in one of their own cities. Um, uh, someone's claiming that it's you know the wrong size explosion for GMLRS. But what I find most interesting is. And, and, and this is uh, an individual who seems to come up quite a bit. There's this guy called Igor Gerkin, who, as far as I can tell, is is the same guy as I believe he's kind of regarded as the chief uh, suspect in the MH17 downing. Uh, not somebody you would have thought who was particularly pro-Ukraine. But he seems to be very critical of, of the way the war is being conducted. And I wonder if this is... Uh, because he's got more, you know, he's he's more hawkish than Putin, and and and, and, and feels he's safe in kind of um, layering sarcasm and you know pointing out incompetence on the Russian military the whole time. So I guess it's a two-part question. You know, what do we, what what sort of, if any intelligence do we have about whether you know Ukraine really did strike at Belgorod uh, and, and and other cities, and 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 perhaps maybe as a just a yeah, a complete part B who is this Girkin guy and what is his game? Um, given that uh, you know, back in 2015, he was, he was apparently all into the point of shooting down civilians.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the panel discussion in terms of the strikes, uh, we, we went into it in a lot of detail. The best Portland could give us was we said, so, so I would say that the, the panel wasn't really buying the false flag stuff. Um, Probably there was, as you mentioned, uh, an anti like anti aircraft systems engaged targets. We don't know what targets, um, and one of them failed and hit a residential building. Um, so so that happened. Uh, but well, we think it happened. Yeah, but in terms of like what it was, uh, we made Portland choose. We were like, it's either a Tosco or a HIMARS. What what is it? He said it looks like HIMARS. So. That's like the best we could get. We don't really have anything definitive, but that seems to be the consensus here uh, as of right now. A lot of other people think it's uh, some kind of false flag that like Russia is somehow responsible. But uh, I would say that the sort of expert opinion seems to be leaning. All signs point to high Mars would be kind of the, the or I should say leaning towards high Mars maybe is a better way to put it. Uh, does that answer that part of the question, Nick?
7: Yeah, the interesting point there, of course, is that notionally, they uh, notionally, Ukraine said they wouldn't use HIMARS to strike targets in Russia, but maybe, may, may, maybe sort of, you know, within firing distance of Ukraine, get, they sort of uh, get to uh, put cross their fingers behind their back on 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 that little bit. Um, the, the other thing about the Tosh when it's a Toshka the other day isn't it, uh, is Toshka, the Ukrainian word the same word as did I not hear that the new McDonald's Called tasty a uh, period that the period me is basically Toshka is that the same word? So is this missile system called like the end? I think it's quite a good name for a missile system.
2: Slava, uh, what's Toshka? Yes. Mean? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, toshka, it's like a uh, point, like a uh, period. Uh, it's like uh, you, you, yeah. are you. You are correct.
7: Yeah. So ter- I mean, they should have called it Terminator, but okay. Yeah, I get it. It's it, it, okay. I. I, I I will give myself a very small point for noticing the Russian word and the Ukrainian word and guessing they might be related. So yeah, and then the second question is is it is what whatever anyone can say about this igor girkin guy.
1: Yeah, so before we go to Girkin, uh, Gurney uh, hopped up, so I just wanted to give Gurney an opportunity. He might be uh wanting to respond directly to that. So I'm going to let him get up real quick.
2: And I will uh, while while there is some time, uh, uh looks uh, you if you listen to the Girkin, uh, look at him. Like you look at Aristović. Aristoich for us is not uh, too serious guy. And you should, uh, when you listen to the Gierkegaard, uh, do not take everything he says uh, completely serious. It's part of the propaganda. He's part of the Russia. So uh, be cautious when you listen to him. Thank
1: you. Yeah, he gives you a little truth. as like a little bit of honey to lure you in for the trap. Would you say that's uh, accurate, Slava?
2: Absolutely. It's a uh, it's plan. It's, uh, he was from the start, exactly, from the uh, time of the occupation of the Crimea, uh, east of the um, Ukraine, and he, he exactly was uh, somehow related to the MH17, uh, shutting down a plane. So be careful, because he's not still in this time when he's critiquing the Plan of the Putin's. He stills uh, with him. He stills uh, trying to help it. Thank you. Thank you. So
1: we got Gurney up. Uh, Gurney, go ahead.
8: Yeah. So I was just going to give maybe a plausible explanation. Doesn't doesn't explain it, uh, but but something maybe to consider. Um, so I won't repeat the gentleman's name. It's not worth the airtime. I don't like to to amplify him. But yeah, to Nick, to your question in, in Slava, to reinforce your point, um, you know that. That gentleman is a very shady gentleman uh, for, you know, 35 years, um, if not more, has embedded himself in different things. Um, But suffice to say that a plausible explanation could be um, if the gentleman is accessible to Russian security forces and yet is appearing to speak out, you can assume that that is allowed. Whether it appears to be dissent, whether it appears to be criticism is irrelevant. You can just judge by the fact that he hasn't left the top of a building yet, that it's sanctioned. Uh, and the plausible one plausible explanation for that is, is it gives separation between the perceived generals running this war and the man at the top above them, uh, Mr., Mr. P. Again, I won't refer to him by airtime. But what that serves is as a potential separation. So if things go south that uh the the general or the militaries can be blamed uh maybe they'll be pushed out windows as, as traitors and and wasteful and and not effective uh but that gives that that gives wider latitude uh for the singular person that is causing all of this harm and destruction to escape the actual true criticism uh and so i would look at the statements from uh, that gentleman in the in the donbass area as part of the grand strategy uh, very similar. We saw very early on, there was a, a Russian journalist that sort of came out and, and appeared to dissent on TV. Again, everyone's like, well, what is this? Things must be going bad, you know? Um, and, and you could think, you know, to the to the average listener, they may think, yeah, wow, this guy may be, you know, he's talking about some critical things. Huh? Maybe it's not going so good, uh, you know, but, but don't judge a book by its cover. Look a little bit deeper. And so, uh, you know, clearly, you can plant people to to make these uh, critical dissenters and give you a little bit of room, a separation and degrees to work, because if everything ends up going south for the Russians, uh, they need to establish a line of fall guys. Uh, and, and that gentleman you mentioned is doing that quite well because he's very critical of the military operation. If you notice, I don't think he's addressed uh, the, the Russian leader by name. Uh, if he were to start attacking the Russian leader by name and repeatedly, uh, then you might see him fall from a roof. But yeah, other than that, it's it's just a ruse that we may not understand, and and that's just one plausible scenario amongst many that might be occurring. So I, I don't take his his words to mean much, uh, even if they they ring close to the truth sometimes. Uh, you, you know uh, that that's a very shady gentleman, and and as long as he is uh, breathing and accessible to the Russians. Uh, then he is clearly useful in some purpose. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Gurney. And uh, while I've got you up here, I can't help but uh, ask you about uh, the recent strikes, uh, particularly the ones uh, on Russian uh, territory. uh, Did you have any thoughts uh, yourself about uh, what's going on?
8: Yes. So it's really early, I think, in my head. I'm trying to piece it together, but we're just... uh, you know, we're just in um, looking at the pictures and the videos and, and can't tell up from down right now. So the only thing I've, I've got is that, you know, there appear to have been strikes or strike in Kursk and Belgorod. Uh, you know, it looks like there was a potential interception of something or a redirect of something or, or a non-kinetic intercept over, over Belgorod. Don't know. I think it's it, <laughs> there. there's a lot of what ifs on this one. And uh, I don't want to get the traction started in the wrong direction because it, it, it could be a lot of things. Um, so unsure, TBD.
1: Absolutely fair, Granny. and I think that was a good uh, summation of what we know. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you, Granny. If you had anything else uh, you wanted to add, seems like you, you completed your point, though. Okay, so we don't uh, have any hands at the moment, so I'll just uh, use this time to say if everyone could retweet the space. Uh, they changed the button. It's no longer the blue plus sign. It's in the top right corner. It's that little U with the arrow going up. You guys could retweet the space, spread the word about the Walter Report. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, Walter Report, uh, everyone here is volunteering. We provide 24 uh, hour news coverage and analysis of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And uh, everyone's volunteers. All we ask is that maybe you help out by uh, donating to Maria Aid. Uh, right now, we're trying to fundraise uh, 1,000 tourniquets to send to Ukrainian soldiers and civilians. Uh, Tourniquets definitely help save lives, and we want to get these tourniquets there as soon as possible. So we're doing our best to fundraise for our goal. We're about 80% done, uh, probably a little more at this point. So we appreciate everyone who's uh, contributed so far, and we ask, uh, of course, uh, for your contributions to finish the goal as soon as possible. And last but not least, if you guys have any questions about the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, or about any uh, current news items uh, going on, uh about the russian invasion of ukraine uh please uh, come up and raise your hand and uh, we will be happy to take your question uh, thanks guys
8: joseph i'm not sure if you can see slava um might have a speaking problem i, I think slava no, no. speak. I,
2: oh. i'm just just uh, raising hand i just
1: sorry go ahead slava
2: okay thank you uh so uh Garni, uh great explanation absolutely you absolutely right uh this person just doing his job and uh, while he's useful he is doing his role uh, just update on the ukraine uh, just uh, maybe 20 minutes ago uh, the russian occupiers carried out massive shelling of slovyansk with anti-aircraft missiles many were, were killed and wounded uh, the mayor of slovyansk added uh, that up to 15 fires broke Broke out in the city as a result of shelling. The Russian invaders launched a massive uh, bombardment of Slovyansk from multiple rocket launchers. As a result of shelling, many people were killed and wounded. And another article on this topic um, large scale shelling of the Slovyansk, the first data on the dead and wounded appeared. As a result of the large scale shelling um, by the Russian invaders, of the Slovyansk Donetsk region on July 3rd 6 people were killed and 15 in injured. Uh, so yes um, this is what happened uh, 20 minutes ago and another news from the Crimea. Uh, for the first time in the 8 years of the occupation the resistance movement has significantly intensified in Crimea. So I see pictures of the uh, some government buildings uh, Painted uh, with the blue and yellow uh, paint so something is changing. Thank you.
1: Thank you Slav that was a very interesting uh, last little update there about uh, Crimea resistance to Russia. I'm interested to see how that develops for sure.
2: And it was a topic of the Crimea uh, just a week ago uh, had interesting um, how to say uh, have listened of some uh, conversation in other uh, community and accidentally it was person I was in the Ukrainian community and uh, some person was uh, from the Crimea who currently lives in I think in Simferopol but he was moved into Simferopol from the Donetsk so if this person still lives in the Crimea and when we started to ask him about the situation how he looks at it, where his position at on this and he's absolutely vague. Don't want to say absolute true what is what it is. It still says that uh, carefully what he's saying. What he's saying. So it absolutely shows how this, um, how they fearing for this their own life, even living uh, by choice by choice in the Crimea, moved moved from the Donetsk. So it is. Uh, like uh, crimea it's not um, uh, totally with this uh, opinion that the russia freeing this people but we see that some people still believe in this russian propaganda but some people like this resistance showing that some is some is starting to move so thank you
1: thank you Slava. and uh yeah i mean if i think it would really change the strategic picture if we had you know, major resistance in Kherson to Russian rule, right? Like, right now, a military takeover of Kherson seems very difficult just because of the geography of it. But if there's sentiment, public sentiment, uh, for helping Ukrainian forces, then it could really change uh, the strategic picture, I think. Uh, Maybe, Gurney, did you have any thoughts on that? Gurney's gone but it's okay slav it's it's uh, i don't know everyone went a little quiet uh, bloke uh, is cleaning uh, adrian's uh, oh here gurney's uh, hopping back up thank god
2: uh, no it's you absolutely right when people will resist for the even puppet government it's hard to uh, keep it it's not possible you they occupiers should understand resistance partisans uh, ukrainians who going to rise they gonna, They do not accept they, they do not uh, uh, keep their head down and accept uh, uh, Ukrainians know what is freedom and they totally resist this uh, uh, push on them uh, uh, Russian Mish. so it's not going to happen and it's uh, really good to see that uh, in Crimea uh, people are start, starting to uh, like uh, showing the support that's, there are still some Ukrainians in the Crimea. I think. Thank
1: you, Slavin. Uh Yeah, sorry, Aaron. I didn't mean to uh, uh, call you back up uh, again, but uh, if you had anything to add, uh, we'd appreciate it.
8: I, I couldn't hear the question. I was having audio issue. so I'll, I'll just I'll defer here. I'll be quiet here. I, I...
1: Oh, no problem, no problem. Uh, but yeah, we were just talking about uh, uh, partisan active or not partisan. More just uh, public sentiment in Crimea seems to be turning a little bit towards uh, Ukraine, and uh, I was just saying. That, you know, taking the Crimean Peninsula would be difficult, a difficult military task, um, you know, in general, and that having uh, public sentiment inside Crimea uh, for Ukraine would would really help in that task, broad strokes.
8: So maybe we should just um, start doing some tourism advertisements for, for Crimea. Uh, on you know uh, tourism billboards maybe facing the the Russian border, just from that video of the the accident, the car accident on the Kerch bridge, um, I'm sure we could get someone on the media team to uh, put together a welcome to Crimea, and uh, maybe you know from from the local this is tongue in cheek here from the local Crimean tourism industry board, and uh, as their civilians come across the bridge there, they can uh, just you know expect a life full of fender benders.
1: Right, hearts and minds, right. Um, Okay, so Bloke might have something to add here. Bloke, go ahead.
3: Yeah, um, I just uh, saw an update, uh, which I find abundantly amusing. So if anyone's been following, uh, Lithuania um, uh, stopped allowing the Russians to um, transport um, sanctioned goods over uh, the rail lines. and Schultz, uh, just in character constantly, was trying to, you, you know, allow for safe passage because, oh God, I can't figure the guy out. But, um, you know, uh, if you look at all the the Baltic states and, and the, the eastern countries that were from the ex-Soviet Union, they really understand uh, Russia very well. And so they're, they're the most... Adamant in not caving in to the Russians, and so what I found hilarious today is just now the Lithuanians have begun, and this is what the internet uh, tells me. So let, let let's wait for verification. They have begun dismantling the rail lines to Kaliningrad, which is hilarious. That is not only uh, uh, you know raising their middle finger at uh, Russia, but also at Schultz, which. Preventing Schultz from, you know, being himself and and just being like a like a completely confused uh, Russian appeaser. So that's uh, the Lithuanians are are badass. I <laughs> you know, I really respect them. That, that that's great news. So I hope they stick to their guns. No concessions to the Russians. Yeah, you
1: know, I don't know if it applies exactly here, but I do remember asking Doman once something like, you know, it, let's say that I'm a country that I, I want to sanction Russia, but the EU's like, no, right? Like I'm Poland, and I'm just I want to sanction Russia, and the EU's like, no. And uh, Doman was basically like, well, the economies are so integrated, like legally, like you really you basically can't. But um, that doesn't stop, like, let's say that a bunch of Dutch longshoremen refuse to unload a Russian boat, right? That's just you know. So this might be that might be sort of a a reflection of that strategy, right? Like, you know, maybe the EU is going to use their legal channels to say you can't, you know, block
3: it. But uh, what if there's no rail line? Right. I mean, that might be. (laughs) Exactly. And and if you recall, even at the beginning of the war, I mean, you you know, English longshoremen or British longshoremen, I don't know if they were specifically English, uh, refused to. Uh, allow uh, to service uh, Russian boats, uh, Russian ships when they came into port. So, yeah, the the politicians can dither and uh, Schultz in particular and the Three Stooges, they can... They, they can be all confused, but um, the people will show them the right way. Yeah, I miss Doman, man. We haven't seen Doman in a while. I, I don't know what's going on in Europe because
1: because uh, there's no Doman. Axel explains, but you know, I feel like Doman gives like a really concise
4: explanation.
3: Uh, he, he's brilliant, but he was here every day, 12 hours a day for so long. He, Doman he, is in
4: France uh, for a few He deserves
3: days. a
1: break. He's drinking wine. I haven't, I haven't his w- his
4: wife and he are both so many years and as a consequence from time to time because of the professional interest of his wife uh, in the field of uh, um flavor. <laughs> no, assume. they they have a they have a tour where they're visiting a variety of vintners that's what they're doing, and they've been doing this for a few days as a research tour. So Oh, and uh, he'll be back. He'll be back tomorrow afternoon, European time. Awesome. You know, and kidding. speaking of, uh, of
3: Lithuanian government. Lithuanian badassery, uh, maybe Axel could uh, uh, give us some insight to that. <laughs> you know,
1: Axel, did you hear what Bloke said about them dismantling the rail lines uh, to Kaliningrad? Or... Yeah, there's uh, urgent repair and maintenance required, I'm told. There you go. A little maintenance. Uh, Ollie, I saw you had your hand up. Uh, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I, I, I had this question in mind, and I wanted to ask what you guys think do you guys see the world in this war kind of giving power to more kind of tyrants to actually wage war against that is for example china do you think this war had influence on china actually saying if russia has done it we can actually also invade taiwan and you know this kind of shift from a free world